1: Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Mac, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Coming at you on a Sunday night. It's only December. It's getting late early. Christmas has come early. And what has Santa left us all in our stockings? Do you get... Jeremy, uh, uh, Jeremy, don't no, no. Hold on, ask we don't. i got but the coal, no, you don't get coal if you're
2: bad. No, no, you don't. No stockings, no coal.
1: What is the Jewish Hanukkah equivalent to coal in the stocking? Guilt.
2: (laughs) Just lots of guilt. That's that's all it is.
1: Um. Well. Uh, I don't know that I, I do uh, I don't know that I have any guilt right now over this next season, although I guess I do a little bit because I was uh although maybe I was not as quite as high on them as some other people, I I did pump up this team something fierce. Don't give me that look, Andrew. Come on. That was one Patreon pod in which I had to pick somebody for third in the East.
3: Those were the official Patreon predictions for the 2021, 22 seasons, John. In which you said they would be the third seed. Yeah. So then I the should,
1: point? then I should fail. I, I should have formally introduce uh, Andrew Cohen, Andrew Cohen. Wow. Andrew Cohen and Andrew Jeremy Cohen, Claudio. Yes. Jeremy Claudio, Andrew at Claudio, Jeremy Cohen. See, I'm all, I'm all thrown. This is what happens when I've spent the last, what is it? Eight o'clock game ended at a little before three. I've spent most of the last five hours basically digesting the two games that they played this weekend um, and writing about it and trying to make sense of this team. And I should feel some guilt because I, Whatever my official prediction was, I know I was higher on this team than what they have showed us. I was a lot higher and I was not ashamed to talk about it um, before the season, the beginning of the season. And now, well, now here we are. Um, we're a couple weeks shy of Christmas. They are three games under 500. They've lost two games this weekend. They have gone one and three this week. And um, we are going to try to I don't know if we're going to try to make sense of it. We're going to try to do what we always do. And talk up, down, around, and see if we could come out with some kind of a uh, answer as to where things stand right now. Jeremy Cohen, hello, sir.
2: Hey, John. I hope you digested this game better than Evan Fournier digests a steak. Because this again, like this was a scheduled loss for me, so I, I wasn't expecting much. And it's great, yeah. obviously, what uh, we saw in one of the maybe I guess two of the young Knicks, yeah. one of whom who will. Most likely not be a Nick for that much longer, but another who hope, hopefully can be a mainstay of sorts. Um, but yeah, this just, um, you know, last week we said we wanted to explore what this week would look like before it was bad. And we talked about how it was rock bottom. And I don't know if you've ever seen the Simpsons movie, but it reminded of me of when, when Bart says, this is the worst day of my life. So it's like, this is the worst week of the Knicks season. And it's like, this is the worst week of the Knicks season so far. And it's just this <laughs> sort of thought process of like, could it get worse? 100%. Oh, it absolutely. Could get worse. So say, you know, rock bottom that I feel like you don't know what rock bottom is until you've pulled yourself out of rock bottom. Uh, We have not pulled ourselves out of rock bottom. Uh, We, of course, being, I guess, fans, you could even talk about the team because the team certainly is not, they're free falling. I mean, started five and one, they're 12 and 15 now. That's seven and 14.
1: No. Um, Yeah. yeah, They've, they've lost two games. Yeah. They've lost two games for every game that they've won since the five and one start. Um, And, you know, just a couple of numbers I'll, I'll steal from the, the Monday newsletter, Um, they have on the season. So actually this is, well, let's go back even a step further. Um, because I, I wrote for, for Monday that, you know, last season they arrived at something of a crossroads right around this time, not this time of year, but this time in the season, because the season got started uh, late last year and, um, they were three games under 500, just like they were now are now. Um, and they decided to make a trade. And they traded for a uh, not-so-young man by the name of Derek Rose. And then the rest of the season happened, and we don't have to rehash that. Their net rating at that time was um, minus 1.1, 1. 1, I believe, well, my, minus 1.2, something about or thereabouts. And it's funny because, you know, Mike Brain has been saying several times uh, on the broadcast over the last, right, probably really the whole season, but especially the last few weeks, like, well, this team's record is better and they're, you know, they're clearly better, but there's something about it that's not the same. They're not fighting as much. And now I look up today, their record is not better. They are three games under 500, just like that team. And their net rating is worse by nearly a point for 100 possessions. And then if you take away the five and one start, it's negative 4.7, which is not a far cry since um, November 1st from the uh, Houston Rockets and some of the other Teams that are not trying to win games this season, which New York is very much trying to do. That is the reality of where this team is at over the last. Uh, and again, we're not talking about a sample size of two weeks, three weeks, four, a sample size of three quarters, actually more than three quarters of the season. Um, You know, so that's the reality right now. We could talk about the reasons for that reality uh, and maybe some of the ways to try to fix that reality or potentially some of the ways to um take advantage of that reality and maybe pivot in some other directions. Um, But I will, again, just turn it to you. And like, I'm, I'm feeling like this thing is, this is pretty bad. I mean, it could get worse, but as far as like all of the, what we've been doing for the last several weeks, which is like, well, fix this and you move this piece over here and you maybe we're this thing away from that, you know, I'm not there anymore. I'm in whatever the next stage is. Just, I want to check in with where you're at.
2: Well, some nights it feels like there are signs of positivity. They don't feel very common. It often feels like shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. Yeah. And again, it's it's the sort of thing where this past week, right? You are the Knicks and you beat a, a surging Spurs team. And you can look at the Spurs record and I think it would be misleading because the Spurs had just had a string of very good games. That was a great win. And then they go into Indiana and they just pooped themselves. Uh, I'm realizing now that could be an Evan Fournier joke, but that wasn't what I meant. Um, and uh, granted, you no, know, I get it. You're traveling on a back-to-back game. You're getting into Indiana at a very late time. You have to play. It's rough, but you know this there can only be so many excuses. If players are not doing well, if they're not feeling well, then next man up mentality. I mean, we, we talked about a big 15 all last year. Guys stepping up. Players are not stepping up. The players that need to step up are just not doing so. Then you go to Toronto and what looks like it's going to be a blowout then turns into a gut-wrenching loss that just just sucks, right? I mean, it,
1: can I ask? Hold on. I'm going to stop you for a second. Was it gut-wrenching? Because Andrew saw me on the playback and like, I was obviously living a dying with every possession, but I, I think the part of the Toronto game actually broke me because anybody who watched the playback, which we did, I think you saw that. I don't think I ever believed that they were going to win that game, even when they had a one point lead within two minutes to go.
2: When I say gut wrenching, what I mean is every single time they cut it close or even like managed to take the lead right away, it was snatched from them. Yeah. So it, it was, it wasn't like, Hey, the Knicks deserved to win this game. And it was a miracle that they were hanging into it and they, they did not come back. It's more that it was like every time that they took a step forward, they immediately took a step back. And then when you see the Raptors get what four offensive rebounds in a row and then Gary Trent jr. Sinks a three, I just, I can't really remember the last time I was that angry about a play. And at that moment, you're like, it's over. And then of course, Randall, Attempts the shot and it goes in and out, and I will say I feel bad for Randall in the sense of a lot of people were being like, "How are you smiling?" And it's like,
1: "Oh, I don't." We, I don't we've care. We've seen about it to the point
2: where it's like it's just disbelief. Like I, I can't believe it went that. in. What else you do? But you know it, that sort of thing. And then of course they just come out flat. It's a day game at MSG against the Bucks. I understand, but it's just it looked they looked lethargic. They didn't look like they wanted to be there, except for Quentin Grimes, who clearly did want to be there. And I, that's the thing. It's like if this team were playing hard, if the effort were there, I think we could look the other way for some time. But it doesn't seem to be there a lot of the time. I mean, like Mitchell Robinson posts on Instagram like plus six in the plus minus column, and he's saying I got to do better. And then he's just jogging up the court barely. Well, like I mean, that's even a, de- a debatable to say. It just it's there's there's clearly something going on with this team that there needs to be something to snap them into shape. There needs to be some sort of thing that gets them motivated. And it's basically one of two things. Number one is it's a coaching change, which is not going to happen because no. the Knicks are not going to fire the reigning coach of the year. Nor, nor, uh, nor, nor should, should it happen. Even Look, we, we can have problems with ways that Tibbs has gone about things. You can, you can have those issues. I'm not going to stop you. But the point is that is not the solution right now. Uh, futures, the future, whatever. It's a long-term thing. We can talk about it another time, but right now it is not dealing with Tibbs. So it's a trade. That's basically what it is. Um, we'll get to that later on in the episode, but just with summarizing this week, last couple of weeks, the whole season, I mean, the offense has felt like an issue, but it's also the defense. I, I mean, the offense this week has felt Kind of worse, even with Burks being in there. And yet you look at cleaning the glass and over the last two weeks, the Knicks are 29th in defensive rating and they're 17th in offensive rating. So even though it might feel like the offense that it did to me, certainly with the Raptors game, I mean, the the evidence is right there that the defense is dying and it's hard to do when, when, it's hard to can, can, It's hard to have a successful offense when you don't have a lead ball handler who can excel in the half court. And it's hard to have a great defense when you are not getting significant production from the center position and when your perimeter defense is crap. So, uh, you know, this roster obviously has holes. There are cracks. The front office thought it was going to do better than it has been doing. It's obviously the case. I'm still not worried about the long term, as we'll get into. But in the short term, things are bleak. Well...
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, I can go. You mentioned the long term. I'll I'll save my thoughts on the long term for a minute. I just, I do really want to hammer home. So, over the last, uh, uh, what is this? Over the last three and a half weeks, um, since the, since, uh, if we go four weeks, it's since the nice pacer win that they had, 92 84. That was a good win um, at home where they beat Indiana. Since then, their wins have been against Houston, in which they played one of their three or four worst games of the season. They beat the Lakers at home on national TV, in which they blew a 25 point lead. They beat the Hawks in Atlanta, in which the Hawks hit under 25 percent from three and just ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. And the Knicks didn't. Knicks didn't run out of gas. Give them credit for that. And then they beat the Spurs in a game, as you just mentioned, where R.J. Barrett went seven so it was seven for eight from three-pointer range, and they generally as a team shot the lights out from three. You mentioned the offense and you mentioned the defense. To me, the offense is actually more or less what the front office probably envisioned, which is a team that takes, a t- as you guys, you've talked about, like kind of peering, trying to hear the behind the scenes, they take a bunch of pull-up threes. They are a team that lives and dies by the three. They have stepped into the modern times, as it were, hasn't worked out so great for them. Their shot profile is a good shot profile. They live pretty much behind the arc and at the rim, um, except they're not succeeding from those ranges because of the players who are, well, they're not, they're really not succeeding at the rim from behind the arc. I, I it's been hit or miss, but it doesn't seem, you know, there seems to be a jankiness to their offense other than when the full bench mob is in there. And when, let's just say it, when Obi Toppin's in there, Obi Toppin is the closest thing they have. I feel like to an identity because a good identity on offense, because when we see him in there, it's the whole bench mob. And whereas if it's just quickly or it's just Rose, or it's just even the two of them with some other players, it's not always, it doesn't always have that verb when you put Obi in there and it completely changes the complexion of what they do. That's when things start going good on offense um and the numbers, my God, do the numbers back that up? On defense, you know, you said it with the center position. It's not just the center position. Um, you want to? I have a couple. Uh, you want to hear a couple? Couple fun stats. So, what's that? I'm all ears. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, of course, you are. Um. So, uh, on on paper, just without any context at all. Um, Mitchell Robinson is the worst of the, of the two centers this season. Um, his on-court defensive rating in over a thousand possessions is 114.3. It would be worse than the worst defense in the league. No, well not far behind one thirteen point one. Um, the Knicks with it. So that number, by the way, the New Noel on-court defensive rating number, it's the same as when New York has no center on the court. So basically, all the, all the hullabaloo about, well, the Knicks can't play Randall and top, Topping together because the defense will suffer. Well, no, it hasn't suffered because the number is the same as when Noel's on there. And it's actually better when Robinson's on there. Um, by the way, shout out Taj Gibson on court um, defensive rating number 90.3. How do you like them apples? I like them apples. Um, now, Mitchell Robinson without certain players on the floor. Uh, what do you think Mitchell Robinson's number is uh, without Kemba Walker on the floor with him? Do you think it's above or below 110? Defensively? Yeah, defensively. It might be above. It's a little below. It's 109.1. Mitchell Robinson without Julius Randle on the floor, 108.3. And then here's the one that raised my eyebrow when I saw it before Mitchell Robinson without Evan Fournier on the floor, 105.9. So yeah, it, I mean it's the steak. It's the ba- It's terrible steak. The steak has gone bad. Yeah. Um, how did nobody do the wait? Like a gift from like waiting the movie that uh, Ryan Reynolds in reaction to the the Fournier steak
3: news. Am I the only one who remembers that movie? I didn't see it. Andrew remembers that movie. That is a, a very cult classic. I don't think a lot of people have seen that movie. Really? To be honest. Yeah, go see that movie. It's a good movie. It's it's funny. It's funny, yeah. Anyway,
1: there's a scene with steak. I won't get into it anymore.
2: Um, I feel, I just feel like the only defense Evan Fournier played this week was against his colon. <laughs> uh, like the only offensive firepower he had was against his toilet. It's uh, oh, just gracious. <laughs>
1: um, and I and I think for me, uh, I, I I'm not even going to follow up on either of those comments. Um, Sorry. I hope he has good a good toilet brush. Um, I I think for me what it really crystallizes is it's two things. It is the center position. Obviously the center position was the fix all for other breakdowns that happened last year. It is not only is it no longer a fix all, but it is having breakdowns of its own. in a well has not been universally bad. Mitchell Robinson has not been universally bad. Mitchell Robinson is struggling with conditioning transition guarding in space, no one's like, well, not fully healthy. They have been probably average to below average defensive centers. When you combine that with the fact that the Knicks took their perimeter defensive identity and they turned it into a, you know, a six-foot guard with with lifts in for the first two-thirds of the season. Um and then Evan Fournier, who does he have moments of playing good defense sure but when he's on the floor as much as he is what it does to your defensive identity when combined with when he was out there with kemba and and then let's just say it julius Randle, who has been a shell of himself versus last year defensively and then you add up all of those things and what did I just name? I just named the starters or the centers and then three starters. Or again, Walker was a starter for most of the year. And you look at the bench defense, bench defense is great. So that's why when you said, you know, the two options, fire the coach or make changes. To me, the notion about the, the coach thing is unless you want to get on him for rotations with or, or or starting lineup decisions, which clearly he's trying to figure this shit out. It's not the scheme. Because the scheme's working when the backups are going against other backups, and when the, and sometimes when the backups are going against other, uh, you know, opposing starters. So it, it, to me, that's really where at the core of it all, um, it, it comes down to, and the offense. It's like I, I didn't think this team was ever going to be a great offense. Thought it'd be a good enough offense,
2: and the, and they haven't been good enough. Yeah, and just to be clear, and I know you're not insinuating this. I am by no means advocating for anything to do with a change at the head coaching position. No, I, I know it's more not. just like, I know you're not that type of, of thing where it snaps you into, into place and you know, but it doesn't matter because they're not going to do it. And I, I don't really want them to do it. Not even. I don't really, I don't want them to do it, but yeah, again, it's they sacrificed defense for offense to a greater extent this past off season with the hope that the defense would also stay as it is. And it's just crumbled from there.
0: Should we
2: give game our balls, game ball, and then detention?
1: Yes. Let's. Uh, so, game ball. I mean, I'll take one. You take the other. Uh, who do I want to praise? Andrew. You there? Yeah, I'm here. What's up? Do I have time to to pull up my favorite my favorite comparison stat in the entire NBA? You have all the time you would like to. Okay. Do exactly so if this, that. If, if this takes me thirty seconds, you could edit out.
3: Yeah, we could also vamp. Um, so why don't you why don't you vamp for thirty seconds about I something? I can vamp. For those who missed it, by the way, John referenced something called Playback. Um, there is a new partner that we have called Playback. They're a startup that lets you live stream games. And uh, John and I watched the entire second half of the Toronto game together via Playback with our Ewing Mello and Ewing Mello and to your patrons. Um, Jeremy and I watched the second quarter and the fourth quarter of the Bucks game today on playback. Um, we're going to be live streaming on, on playback the remainder, or at least while they're still a startup. But for going forward for a while, we will be utilizing that through our Patreon. So if you'd like to you know, watch the the Warriors game on Tuesday with, you know, not Reggie Miller or get our reactions to the dumb things Reggie Miller says, because the game's on TNT. Um, join John and I for the Knicks Warriors game through our, our Patreon. Again, the mellow tier and up. So that is, that is a plug. Is that a long enough vamp, John? So long, it's a long enough vamp. Thank you
1: for that. I appreciate it. All right, Oops. here we go. So my, my game ball is going to go to, of course, Obi Toppin. So our, our, you want to hear the current members of our, um. this is, these are all per 36 minutes. Uh, 19 points, eight rebounds, two assists, and one block per 36 minutes. So, Oh, and sorry. And above 50% from the field. That's the other caveat. So all of those mantras Harrell, mantras, Harrell, 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 mantras, Harrell, um, leading the way, 64% from the field, followed by Giannis Antetokounmpo, 53% from the field. Obi Toppin, 53% from the field. Anthony Davis, from the field. Jonas Valanciunas, 51.7% from the field. And then Carl Anthony Towns, a little over 50% from the field. Um, Giannis does have the highest plus minus of that group at plus 9.6. Trailing him by a sliver, Obi Toppin at plus 8.2. Next up after that, uh, Trez at plus 2.9. And uh, Katz barely above zero. And then the other two guys are in the negative. I mean, he has been good all season. Um, What he did for me on Friday night against the Toronto Raptors coming in and just completely changing the energy of the game. He literally, he checked in the game while free throws were being shot. After the second free throw was made, it was 31 to 12. From that point forward, the Knicks went on a 27 to 7 run and they tied the game. It's or sorry, maybe it was like 27 to eight, whatever. But and, and he had 10 points in that stretch and it was just like, was he perfect? No. Can he still improve in the half court? Absolutely. Does he get the benefit of going up against backups? 100%. But we have now gotten to the point with Obi Toppin where the cute novelty act of what he was doing, I think, to start the year has now evolved into something a little bit different. And I don't know quite what that is. And I am curious to see it again. I'll just say, I'm curious to see it more minutes and against starters, but we've been seeing more of it because Tibbs is now going to it to um, with Randall defense be damned for more minutes in these games. And the results have been like, okay, we'll hit miss, but you could see the outline of something again, kind of special there. And I just, um, it's unfortunate they didn't play against the bucks, but hopefully he gets back on the floor soon. So that's, he gets my game ball.
2: He's the easy, obvious number one choice, 100%. Yeah, but you get to talk about... adds a wrinkle to this team that is just non-existent when he's not Non-existent. So it's great. I wish him a speedy recovery. Same with RJ. Yeah. Um, And they'll be back soon. So mine, in turn, it's got to be Mr. Quentin Grimes. Just easy. I mean, first start, 25 points, right? Seven. 27. 27 points. There you go. Um, Rookie record, broken, now belongs to Grimes. This is what he is. I mean, again, there's a reason why the Knicks honed in on this player. This is a guy who, in my mind, can be a very easy plug-and-play type, but he can grow into even more than that, right? Like, right now, it's unfortunate because there's enough of a logjam where he's not getting in there. And the big thing with Tibbs, with rookies, has been, you know, if you're outside of the rotation, maybe you'll get garbage time. Maybe you'll sub in at the last possession, especially defensive, of a of a half, maybe of a quarter. Um, or you'll fill in when there's an injury or an absence. Grimes did that admirably. There's nothing else he really could have done today. Um, well, okay, I'll say this. he There were some rookie mistakes, I thought, in the beginning, where he um, sure. left Middleton on his own to go uh, double Giannis, and then Giannis kicked it out, and that was a little troubling. Uh, some turnovers, some not great plays. It's a rookie. I'm not upset about it. I'm, I'm glad that he was able to get it out of his system and this type of game against this type of a contender. It's fine by me, but he was just absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I mean, what the reality is, we are talking about two players who were drafted in the Walt Perrin era. Mm -hmm. And I think that just goes to show that no matter what happens, right? I mean, whether it's Obi at eight or quickly or Grimes at 25, or I mean, hell, even Sims at 58. And I get it, right? Like we're talking about a a two-way rookie player, but, but turning turning picks and these lottery tickets into something that actually can impact the team positively. That's so reassuring because even when things are great, it's like, okay, cool. Well, the Knicks still have the opportunity to add to their team and a great development squad that's there. And before you know it, they can churn out consistent, you know, uh, role-playing guys or it's okay. The Knicks are in the lottery. Um, They did a pretty good job with Obi Toppin. I certainly didn't think he was going to be what Obi Toppin is becoming. I'm, I'm thrilled yeah. to be wrong, but it's that sort of thing where it just feels like you're covered. So Grimes was fantastic today. Love that he's gotten some time. Obviously hope RJ can come back soon, but in the meantime, Grimes fitting in brilliant job.
1: Very well said. Um, yeah. I, uh, I like Quentin Grimes. A lot of people have been calling for him all year. I do agree with you that there were some rookie mistakes. He, he did get kind of owned a little bit in the first half defensively on some of those possessions. Um, but hey, he's a rookie. Totally cool. Um, and Andrew's clarifying the rookie record of seven threes. The other rookie record that he said today is most points for first start as a rookie, um, as a Nick since I think the stack goes back to 70, 71 per, uh, mm-hmm. per Elias Sports Bureau. So um, whatever. It was a great game for Grimes. It was proof that he should play. More. Obi Toppin, we all agree, should play more. Emmanuel Quickly, I think he didn't have a great game today, but by and large, um, you know, I I, I do want to say, has he had the best sophomore season? No, his three-point percentage on the year, we can't just ignore the first however many games. Like he has been a little up and down, but I think we all agree quickly has been a plus this season. And then there's RJ Barrett, who a little bit more uneven, but those are four young players that like I feel a lot better about where this season might be headed because those four guys are here and there will be some people out there who are like how do you not throw Mitchell Robinson into that group you want to throw Mitch in that's fine that's a personal preference at this point Um, I'm not throwing uh, Kevin Knox in are you throwing Kevin Knox in I'm not throwing Kevin Knox
3: in
2: great 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 game Kev
3: thank you for stepping in there (laughs) but no, I've Andrew, got, just gave you. a <laughs> I stand um, by what I said when we wanted to throw him in the Colin Sexton trade. If you still believe in Kevin Knox, God bless you. I hope you believe in yourself the same way. It's fair. Well said.
1: Um, and we obviously we haven't seen Deuce, we haven't seen uh Rokas. Like, you know, there, there's there's young talent here and there's veteran talent here, good veteran talent. Um, Derek Rose, best player on the year. Alec Burks, I think arguably the second best player. Um, on the season, uh, and these are these are good guys on fair contracts. The whole thing, which leads us to our detention, and hmm. yeah, I'm gonna do it. I don't know. Was it was it was it sirloin? Was it a little filet mignon? Did he have a little? Maybe it wasn't even the steak. Maybe it was like uh, somebody somebody peed in the mashed potatoes. Uh, yeah, that's not that's not that probably mm-hmm. Well, listen, whatever it is, I don't really give a shit. Um, He did. Yeah, he did.
3: Set him up and knock him down. down. Um, That's what Mike Mike. said to the waiter before. Oh, God. (laughs) (sighs) It's a shitty episode today, huh? Keeps coming. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. We got to stop eventually. It's um turning my, into an Adam Sandler movie. Let's go. My detention goes to Evan Fournier.
1: Uh, since Kemba Walker left the starting lineup. Uh, Evan Fournier with the with the him on the floor, the Knicks are getting outscored. Uh, the Knicks' overall net rating since they benched uh Kemba is negative 6.1. With Fournier on the court, that's a negative 14. Point nine in two hundred and thirteen minutes with a one hundred five point eight offensive rating and a oh boy one twenty point seven defensive rating. Um, Bad. Now that said, I left you a pretty good one um, for your detention because uh, the off court numbers. So Knicks, there are two number. There are two Knicks over the last uh, again since Kemba has been benched. Who the Knicks have a positive net rating when they are off the floor. One of them is obviously uh, Evan Fournier in 171 minutes. uh, They are outscoring teams by 3.1 points per hundred possessions. So that's pretty good. That's a it's like a top six, seven number this year uh, with the amount of mediocrity and how few teams are at the top. Uh, There is someone a little bit better than him uh, about half the minutes. Uh, but maybe this will be a transition to you. You don't have to take this person for your detention, but I'll just again, I'm offering it up to you on a, on the silver platter that Evan Steak came out on in the ninety nine minutes that Julius Randle has not played since Kemba Walker um, went to the bench. You want to guess what the Knicks uh, net rating is bad? No. So sorry that when Julius Randle has played. Since Kemba went to the bench, or sorry, has not played, has not played when Julius Randle When since Kemba went to the bench, did I say has played? I meant
2: has not played. No, I was just making a joke that it's bad. Period. But oh, yeah. Well, um, give me the number. It is uh,
1: plus ten point six. Okay. Which means in ninety nine minutes that that the Knicks have played without Julius Randle since the Kemba benching, they're outscoring teams by more than ten points for hundred percent possessions. It's only ninety nine minutes. But that's a pretty interesting number to me. I'm still taking Fournier with my detention.
2: Yeah, just to be clear, the reason I said bad was because I knew it wasn't going to be exactly encouraging for Julius Randle. And clearly it's... Oh, bad Um, for Julius. That's what I meant. No, the number is good. I meant the number in regards to how Julius fits in is bad. No, mine, it's got to be Julius. If you're taking Evan, I'm taking Julius. Listen, those are the two guys who are supposed to be leading this team this week. They are the most expensive high profile players. They're supposed to be leading the charge. They are not leading the charge again, like Julius. it, It is impossible to evaluate him as a player until he has a lead ball handler. He can feed off of that being said, the role that he's currently in, we can evaluate that and it is not going well, period. The stat, I think that you just laid out perfect example to that. Um, I think it was uh, one of our patrons who, who said that it was Robert who basically was talking about how there is a difficulty for Randall in that there are times where he wants to be very aggressive and times that he wants to make plays and he doesn't seem to know when the right time is for each one. And it kind of just blends into this messy, you know, situation that doesn't really help anyone. So um Again, if it starts at the top and by top in this case and saying player wise, then it has to be those two.
1: Yeah, it. it I feel badly that it the season <clears throat> has kind of come down to those two guys underperforming and they have kind of become target A and target or target 1A and target 1B. <sighs> because. <laughs> And I think the reason I feel a little bit bad is because, as you've talked about a lot with Julius, and I think should at least probably be acknowledged with with Fournier, is these these are not guys who are probably playing in their appropriate roles um, for an NBA team. And, uh, you know, is that an excuse? No. Um, You should still be better than you are. But it is, I I do at least want to offer that as an acknowledgement. Um, you know, and look, Julius played so far above his head last year and it it got him, helped get him the contract that he got. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road, but if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95.
0: Order online
1: and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.
0: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th
1: Truth be told, I actually don't even really know exactly where you're going with this. But Jeremy, you have something for us to finish us up today before we do predictions.
2: I do. Yes. Um, It's part of what people think it might be, but it's also going to be something a little bit more all encompassing. So um, I will go ahead and share my screen. But the bottom line here is, John, that the Knicks, even though it may not seem like it, have a lot of assets. And the Knicks need to do something about those assets. So we're looking at my screen. We're all Asset consolidation. Asset consolidation. Do the Knicks have too many assets? Yes. So I want to walk us through what's going on here. And then I'll set us up for what is to come after that. So this is a look at the guaranteed contracts that the Knicks have in 2022.
0: So we're talking about,
2: yes, not this season, but the following one. So this is a depth chart for those of you who are not watching, who are listening, Maybe. Basically, it's Alec Burks, Evan Fournier, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle of the starting. Well, I guess you could throw in New Orleans Noel, well, actually, um, yeah. for the starting five. That was this was made for context. This was made a few weeks ago, and I've been kind of excited to lay this out and updating it as we've gone along. But you could move Nerlens Noel well up to that. And then you got Derrick Rose, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin. And then of course, Deuce McBride, Campbell Walker.
1: So, so it's so- the entire rotation. Is guaranteed for next year with the exception of Mitchell Robinson.
2: It's Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, Taj Gibson, and Wayne selden
1: So the entire rotation, yeah, minus right. Mitchell Robinson. Right.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, so here's the information. Right? Mitch projected to be an unrestricted free agent. The reason I say projected is because he can still be re signed midseason.
1: uh maybe he'll sign tonight.
2: Who maybe. knows? <laughs> Uh, Kevin Knox, you know, he's unlikely to receive a qualifying offer. If he did, he could reject it and become a a restricted free agent. But the Knicks aren't going to extend that to him if he's even still on the team because of the fact that he likely would accept it. And that would be a lot of money that he would be getting. And they wouldn't need him on that contract. And he would have a no trade clause. That's fun. So uh, he's going to enter unrestricted free agency. Same thing with Wayne Seldon, whose contract is not even guaranteed quite yet, but it will be soon. Taj Gibson's second season is fully non-guaranteed. And then, of course, we can then start to incorporate some of the draft things here, right? So Mm -hmm. the Knicks, of course, have their pick, their own pick, but they also would have a second first round pick if the Charlotte Hornets finish 19th or better in terms of the overall standings for the NBA. So whether they get over that hump or not, to be determined, but if they did... And the lottery protections do change, or the protections I should say do change as well if it's it's the eighteenth and below where it's kept for them this year. the following year if it can if it doesn't convey, it'd be the sixteenth and below. And I think after that it's the fourteenth and below and then the fourteenth and below again.
1: so we we should just say for anybody wondering, as of uh right now and the uh the hornets I don't think play today or or played today, I believe the Knicks would miss getting that pick this season by one. Um, I think there are 11 teams that are, that are better than the Charlotte Hornets at this exact moment. Correct.
2: And as we've said before, this pick was designed. So it should be 12. Right. Uh, This pick was designed. So it wouldn't be conveyed this year. The fact that it's close to conveying, I think it's not a problem for the Knicks, but it's, it's an unwelcomed inconvenience. Or I guess just an inconvenience, but well, but but it doesn't. It's not the end of the world if it conveys this year, because and it it
1: probably won't. Because I mean, who knows? Maybe the Hornets make a trade, but like the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Hawks, the Celtics, the Mavs—like these are all teams currently with worse records than the Hornets that I would expect to pass them. Anyway, continue.
2: And then moving into next season, you know, the Knicks will probably have the non-taxpayer MLE mid-level exception at their disposal, as well as the biannual exception, and who knows. Maybe Rokas Jakabaitis comes over from overseas and decides to play.
1: Can we say something really quickly about the mid-level? Please do. Um, as you say about these sorts of things many times, um, the, the mid-level is the type of the, the, the non-taxpayer mid-level. I'm not talking about the biannual. It's the type of thing that if you don't use it, you lose it. And it's basically every... There's a reason why every pretty much every NBA team, unless you're dealing with a team that has tax serious tax concerns, uses their mid-level exception every year. Because they're now the way NBA economics works is you could get a really good player for $10 million a year. Um, so spoiler alert, they're gonna use that on somebody.
2: Yeah. Right. Or multiple people, because you can or cause you split can break it up. it up. Yeah. Right. But that's the thing. And you can't trade a player who's currently on a contract. Into that exception. You can sign and trade them if they're a free agent, but you can't just trade them into that. So, keeping all that into consideration, what does this really mean? Well, realistically, if the Knicks didn't make a move, they would have four roster spots available for the following Mitchell Robinson, Taj Gibson, possibly Jacobitis. Um Luka Shamanich is actually going to be a restricted free agent. Jericho Sims is still going to be on a two way contract, but can always have that torn up and then sign as part of the roster. Uh, The potential of one, if not two first round picks who have been drafted, a second round pick that the Knicks own, their own. Uh, There's also a pick that they own of the Hornets, but it's so well protected that it's just not going to really convey. Potentially any undrafted free agents or someone else is like a veteran minimum, like a Wayne Seldon type. So when we incorporate all that, we then consider the 2023 draft, which is that the Knicks have their own first round pick. They have the Dallas first round pick. It's top 10 protected. They've got the Hornets pick if it didn't convey this year. And then they have their own second round pick, they being the Knicks, Detroit's second round pick, which should hopefully be in the top 10 of the second uh round, Utah's second round pick, and then finally it's the least favorable second round pick of OKC, Washington, or the third team being whatever the more favorable of Dallas and Miami is. So what was I mean, that the- trade again? Um oh God. They're, oh my god, it's I remember looking at well, this. One shit of them up. is one of them actually is from the Fournier sign and trade. Oh that's
1: what first. no, it's the Fournier sign and trade. That's it's exactly a, what this is.
2: Yes. Part of it. Yeah. So yeah. um but here's the thing, right? If that Hornets pick doesn't convey, and if the Knicks don't trade any of these picks, the Knicks could be looking at seven picks in the 2023 draft. Now, the 2023 draft is supposed to be loaded, it's very high profiled and heralded. Yeah but you do not need seven draft picks in one draft. That is just far too many for context. I mean, that is basically half of what the Knicks roster would be right. 15 players on a roster, not including two ways, seven. It's just too much. So they're going to have to consolidate in some way. And now we can talk about consolidation. So before we do that, John, I feel like we have to have a conversation. It's got to set oh, I the love tone conversations. For what we're doing. We've talked a little bit about what's going on with this team. And we can talk about the direction that the Knicks are going. And it's not up at the moment, obviously, with the results that we're seeing. But let's, let's have a chat about buying, selling, doing both, doing neither. Um, here's my point of view. I feel like the Knicks are going to look at the standings and where they are. And they're going to look at last season, where, as we talked about, they made a little trade for Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. And it propelled them into playing and punching far above their weight to the point where they were 41 and 31. Yeah. Do I see a player impacting them to that extent? No. No, I don't. Maybe there is a player who can still boost them, but might cost more of the Derrick Rose because let's face it, Dennis Smith Jr. and a second round pick, it's a pretty low bar.
1: They were paying us to take Derrick Rose, as they say.
2: Pretty much. So even with everything hitting the fan at once, and I know there's this, urge when things go wrong to just stick in one direction, be like, nope, that's it. Let's, let's just tank, let's sell off pieces, do whatever you want. I just do not see the Knicks doing that. I don't see the Knicks looking at the playoff standings, being like, we're really close to even being in the play-in tournament. And I know that there is this philosophy of Knicks fans. It's like, oh well, that's what you're going for. Like this isn't like the goal isn't the play and it's the goal not, is the championship. But I, it's, and I, it's not I that you, simple. But it's not, right? It's all about taking steps. And here's the thing. It's like, if you're going to be upset about the idea of the Knicks consolidating any of the assets that we talked about to plug up some of the holes that we are referring to here. I mean, they, they've got to do something because otherwise, if you're doing nothing, this team's going to continue to sink. And if you feel like you don't want to like do anything about it. Then why even try? Why even have a season? Why even do anything? Well, it doesn't it, like it doesn't make sense to me. But there is, I think, a way where you can like you can be a buyer. And if things still don't go well, it's not a failure because if that player you're buying isn't like this win-now move, but a player you see working to help you in the future, it's it's not incongruous. You can actually have it. It's like, for example, last year when the Bulls went in on Nikola Vucevic. Yeah. And then they instantly, uh, you know, we talked about this uh, in our town hall. Zach Levine got COVID. He ironically got COVID again. Hope he is okay. Um, but they traded for Vooch and then things went downhill. And then they made the necessary alterations the following off season, And they're doing really well right now. And it's that sort of thing where as long as you don't give up too much, and we'll get into that more. But you're able And I think to the Bulls help.
1: gave up too much in I agree. that trade. But, yeah.
2: I, I totally agree. But it, it's working for them. I don't think that they would necessarily say, I don't think they would resent it. I think they'd do it again. But the point being, you can still be a buyer. And even if the team loses, it doesn't make the trade a failure if the goal is not like, you know, a strictly win now move that won't help you in the future. And I'll turn it over to you, but. I, I, you know, cause I can understand why people are listening to this and might think like, well, why on earth would you trade assets? If you plan on losing, it's not planning on losing.
3: Well, it's, it's just,
2: there's a safety net and it's you're a, still yeah. planning for the future.
1: So Andrew's going to be, I think, very proud of me right now. Andrew, what, for those listening at home and don't see what you're wearing, what's the hat on your head? It is a New York Mets hat. It's a Metropolitan's hat. Exactly. I think I got both names. Okay. um, There is one thing to make a trade in the vein of Scott Casimir for Victor Zambrano.
3: That is an elite reference. I know where you're going with this now. <laughs> Go ahead. And during that, at that time that that trade came
1: down, I want to say 12 years ago, right? It was 11 2004 season. It was a 2000. Oh my season. god, I'm so fucking old. <laughs> okay, in my mind, I want it to only be 10 or 11 or 12 years ago, so I'm not so fucking old, and I'm still like 32. But I digress. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Mets at that point in time, if I recall correctly, were on, and I'll be generous, the fringes of playoff contention, um, but did not profile as a team that was going to do anything. They were. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. It's please, because you have an encyclopedic memory when it comes to this shit.
3: So, the 2004 Mets were coming off a 96 loss season. And then the yeah. following year, the 96 season, the, excuse me, the 2003 season, they went in with like David Cohn starting games. And within two starts, it was like, all right, blow it up. Um, so, like, Mo Vaughn gets traded, Robbie Alomar gets traded, and all these different guys get traded it was like, okay, we're rebuilding. There's a shortstop prospect. Uh, Jose Reyes is going to get called up. David Wright's going to get called up. Um, and 2004 was a lot like last season for the Knicks, where it's like, oh my God, there's like they're good. There actually are reasons to have expectation. And they went into the week of the trade deadline, a game out of first place. That's what it was, yeah. So like a really weak National League East where the Braves hadn't taken off yet. The Phillies were the actual team that the Mets were competing with, and it was like, okay, we're kind of out kicking some coverage here. We should just like see what this is in this in the last two months of the season and not trade all our prospects because we had a rich farm system and veteran leaders like Al Leiter, Mike Piazza, and John Franco convinced interim GM Jim Duquette who after this season became a television personality with SNY because nobody wanted to hire him going forward. He then traded their three best prospects for two pitchers, Victor Zambrano and Chris Benson. Oh, so, Benson. I forgot about Benson. That was the one with the, the wife who was like a porn yes, star or something. And a, well, <laughs> was, that, was it a porn star? I think she was just attractive. What she <laughs> six of one, half dozen the other. Please continue. <laughs> um. Uh. <laughs> anyway, they went for it, and with it, like the Mets, then lost like six in a row. They then called up David Wright. He then played the remainder of the season. The Mets ended up losing close to ninety games. Yeah. But Scott Kazmir then became like one of the better pitchers in baseball through the mid two thousands for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays.
1: And everybody and everybody knew he was going to be great. I remember I even... I wasn't a Met fan. Uh, I heard a lot about Scott Cosby. Everybody knew about Scott Cosby. It was, a, it, was a, it was a huge...
3: It had such a trickle-down effect with the trade because you then fast-forward two years later after Omar Minaya takes over as GM, spends all this money. They get Beltran. They get Pedro. They are almost a World Series team in 2006, except... They're missing a starting pitcher. Yeah, I wonder where they could have had one if two years earlier <laughs> so, they trade him for Scott for uh, Victor Zambrano, who even worse pitched three games for the Mets in '04 and then was a mediocre pitcher in '05 and then was like out of the league and with like a year or two.
1: So, thank you for you're welcome for bringing the analogy that home.
2: That was so incredibly precise. I'm well, very he's, impressed. He's amazing with this. Oh, stuff. I know that, but yeah, um, still, that's yeah, very.
1: Uh, so, like. If the Knicks did something like that, it would be ridiculous. And what what qualifies as something like that? It's a little bit tougher to say because baseball and basketball uh, trade are are not. It's a little bit apples and oranges. Um, But like, you know, a future unprotected first round pick. You don't want to give those up in any circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would actually argue at this point, and with all due respect to get your drink ready, uh, Andrew. Zach Lowe's recent podcast in which he pitched... Um, as a possible Miles Turner trade, um, including Obi Toppin, to me is Obi Toppin the basketball equivalent of what um, uh, Scott Kazmir was for the Mets back then? No, he's not, but he's pretty darn close. Um, it, you know, Anthony Davis and his per thirty six numbers say hi. Uh, so I, you know, I, I just that's where we're we we want to avoid. But the notion of going ahead and get, and giving up stuff that you, as I think this is where you're getting at with the consolidation of assets, giving up stuff that you kind of sort of need to give up at some point anyway, for a guy who, and again, I'm guessing where you're going with this, is young, is a guy who you can flip again easily if need be, who's under contract for more than just this season. All of that, to me, I'm on board with. It's, it's not pigeonholing, pigeonholing yourself into one thing or another. Um, and the reason in particular that I'm on board with this, and then I'll turn it back to you is the key date for me at this point is not, it's no longer February 15th or excuse me, December 15th, it's February 3rd. And I'm sure, Jer- do you know what t- wow. February
2: 3rd is? Oh, I know what February 3rd is, but all right <laughs> You got to get I off this Clippers kick, buddy. I, I'm not God. getting off it. I'm not getting I, I off know. It, I've, it. I have I've opened Pandora's box by accident. It was a completely unintentional thing. Do you want to tell the people what February 3rd is, John? Uh,
1: So February 3rd is the first day that Julius Randle can get traded. And I want to be very clear. I don't think they're actually going to trade Julius Randle this season. I think there's absolutely a chance they trade him in the offseason. And I don't think he's going to be on the Knicks for anywhere near the entirety of his contract. Um, But they can trade him February 3rd. And that's really interesting to me because the Knicks, that to me says that the Knicks have, what is it? It's Sunday, December 12th. Knicks have seven and a half weeks, roughly until, until February 3rd. So they literally, they have to keep trotting out this core. For the most part, until then, unless you think Fournier's get moved, which I'm dubious of. Um, So they're going to get a chance to figure it out. If the thing keeps going downhill or sideways, depending on where the rest of the league is at, depending there's some other factors at play, how soon does the Simmons situation resolve itself? The Portland situation seems like it's coming to a head. There may be some moving pieces. So the ship may have sailed by the time February 3rd gets here. That's the only thing I have circled in the back of my mind. And what you're about to talk about, I don't think necessarily has anything to do with necessarily that. I think,
2: I think it has a part of it though, but.
1: Well, yeah. on that note, why don't we continue?
2: Sure. Uh, and yes, just to be clear, there are pretty much four things I am very much against. And I think this should set the tone moving forward. Uh, based on the players available and where the Knicks are at and all that jazz, it is moving RJ Barrett. It is moving Emmanuel quickly. It is moving Obi Toppin. And is moving a future unprotected first round pick. Those are the four things that I have zero interest in trading. And now there's a, there might be some of you who are out there thinking like, well, this is going to blow up exactly what I'm saying. I really don't think it will. And I have evidence for why, but I will continue now. Uh, before I do that, though, I actually just want to talk about the Leon Rose administration and the net in and net out of what has gone on thus far. Uh, so what I mean by that is basically any, I'm not counting players that were here beforehand, like RJ Barrett. I'm not counting picks that were already acquired, you know, like in the uh, Christoph Porzingis trade. I'm talking about what the Knicks, specifically what Leon Rose and his front office have done since he took over. Right. So coming in has been Alec Burks, who I think we can agree has been a fantastic addition. Yes. New Orleans Noel, who has been, in okay, could be better, could be worse. You on, know, on, on the court last year he was very much break even. Yeah. Um, off the court, it certainly tilts in favor of him not being there. But he is a to me a suitable backup big who could be explored to move moving forward, especially if Jericho Sims is able to mature into the backup role a little bit more moving forward.
1: And j- just to be clear on Noel, he, uh, he already missed some incentives. He's making nine nine million is the actual is or is it eight million? It's it's eight It's a, thank you. It's 8.8. Like the term, like
2: toxic contract, not move.
1: If they want to move their loans a well, they could move their loans a well pretty quick, pretty quickly.
2: He's again, it's also, if it doesn't even happen this off season, great. We're talking about a player who's an expiring contract if you want it or two year deal. It's up to you. Um, Derek Rose, hands down, obviously. The best addition, I think, in my mind, the Knicks have made, at least turning uh, nothing into something. Agreed. Uh, Deuce McBride, to be determined, of course. The reason I have Deuce here, if you remember those of you at home, um, Knicks had the 32nd pick. They flipped it and turned it into 34 and 38. So you could put Rokas Iacobitis instead of Deuce McBride. Um, But you got to pick one. I just picked Deuce because he was the second pick. Jericho Sims, which they created out of the Austin Rivers trade. Austin Rivers, who is not here because he was in and he was out. Kemba Walker, uh, who could very easily be finding himself not on this list period, but more on that soon. Evan Fournier, um, not a great signing so far, but again, I will stand by this. I will die on this hill because I know it is the right hill to die on. He is not the type of player you trade this year. He is the vehicle for a trade, not next year, but really 2023, but doesn't matter right now, not looking great. Um, he, The Knicks have gotten seven second round picks since uh, the Ro- since Rose has gotten here. Five of them have been unused. One of them is kind of a fake pick, which is that Hornets pick I described earlier. The second round pick that won't convey that was part of the Fournier trade. Not and the then,
1: first round pick. That's right, not the correct. fake pick. The, the, second, the uh, pick. second round pick,
2: yeah. Um, And then four players, really five, but one retired. The draft rights for, inter- for four international players. And then going out, it's been Dennis Smith Jr., And Ignace Brostakis. And again, the reason I don't have a second round pick for what went out for Rose, because I already factored it in for the net in. So again, if you look at this list, that's really impressive. Not like, oh my God, superstar stuff. But like the Knicks have been able to turn the situation that was incredibly bleak into something that is respectable and good. And I want to keep that in mind because if you look at the net out, the Knicks have made some decent moves especially in the trade market really. Um front uh, free agency I you know, can give it a C maybe because of the fact that some of them have not been good well, but but Derek Rose and Alec Burke certainly helped prop that up. Uh, it, it it doesn't really matter because there's we've only played what? 27 games this season. Um, 26. So there's time. But in terms of the trade market the and especially the draft, but the trade market too, the front office has done a pretty good job so far, I would say.
1: I want to at least acknowledge for everybody out there screaming about, well, look what the Bulls did this summer and and how how nice is that to get Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso and DeMar DeRozan. Um, The Knicks, I think, pretty clearly made an effort to keep a certain modicum of flexibility moving forward with this roster in terms of not signing any contracts that they did not think that they would be able to move in a heartbeat. And I, I I'm sure you're probably going to get to this and you kind of already alluded to it with Fournier, um, you know, and that is a decision that they made. And I think whether or not they are proven right with that decision or whether or not they are proven wrong with that decision to the extent that they even had the ability to go out and get the players again, just one example, the bulls got, I think we're not going to get that answer for a little while. um. But there was some intentionality behind what they did, which is the reason for the list that we have. I just wanted to throw
3: that out there. Absolutely. Hey, guys. Andrew here with a quick programming note. As you probably already know because of the title of this episode, we have split it into two parts. The second part should be available right away so if you haven't seen it yet you haven't made it next in the queue go ahead and do that it should be the next available episode on this feed they were released at the same time so i'm going to assume that you already figured it out but just in case you didn't part two should be available right now and i usually split these episodes with the law and order sound effects, so i guess we'll just do that right now